Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O. Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to talk about ICF and setting the foundation. Well, when I say we, we, I mean more Noel than me, because this is uh, <laughs> definitely more her her, her category, her expertise. But I couldn't, it wouldn't be a fun conversation if it was just me talking about all the stuff that I like to talk about. Yeah, you wouldn't have the clown in the room, you know? We, <laughs> like every rodeo needs that clown that goes outside, you know, and, and like um, waves at the bull. That's me. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. So yeah. the 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 bull can be the content. I'll be the cowgirl. You can be the clown. We have this. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was gonna say. It, it, so Noel and I we do um, webinars and then we do our podcasts, and you know sometimes we'll do uh, something on social like an Instagram live, and with these various platforms, what's your favorite? Oh, you know, I think I really enjoy podcasting the most. Yeah. I was going to say that too. And I was going to say, is it because with podcasting, and I'm just here sipping on coffee as you are, um, you know, sitting in my closet, there's something so casual about it, right? It's almost like you you kind of, you're like dancing um, and just uh, uh, w- without being aware of anyone watching, as opposed to like video or a webinar where you're conscious of, you know, the, the camera being on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, it's it's also the relationship where we have this time every week where when we first started working on journey coaching, we were together a lot. We were roommates for a little while. Yeah, and yeah. now we get to have this space to continue our work. And it's also for me a way to connect with our coaches. I know that a shout out to all of our coaches that listen to us. I love you guys. Um, and for all of the people who just want to learn about coaching, that the audience, even though you're not here with us. You're very present as we do this work. Yeah. And I think that, well, I mean, we're never not ourselves, but I think with podcasting, um, because it's such a casual platform and that's what people love about it, uh, that we're just truly, you know, come as we are. And I think that's, what's fun about it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and valuable. So I love it. It's, it's good stuff. You want to hear what we're talking about today? Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, the foundation. Yeah, setting the foundation. And this comes from ICF land, the International Coaching Federation. And we are an ICF accredited coach training program. We just started offering the full credentialing for the portfolio path, which I teach personally, guys. So if you want eight weeks with me, come on down. Um, And the reason why we've chosen to go with ICF is they have really good standards that govern the field of coaching. They do a lot of fantastic work around equality, intersectionality, and they are the largest accrediting organization for coaches globally. And the reason that this is important. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say for them to also want to work with us uh, says something about journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're badass. We are graduate level, evidence-based, science-backed coach training um, through and through. So having that stamp of approval is wonderful. 
I wasn't surprised. Um, it's great to be in partnership with them. And the core competencies are really what the ICF adds to our curriculum. So today we're going to talk about the very first chunk of those competencies and how they relate to the world of coaching and how we can all learn from them to do our jobs better. And it is literally called dun, 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 setting the foundation. The foundation. Nice. It's important. It, it's really important. I think a lot, a lot of coaches um, oversee or they, they just uh, forget this step and it makes the foundation rocky. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're thinking about a coaching relationship, with your clients, it's just like any other relationship. So, you know, let's apply this to dating. When you first think that you might like to date someone and they're just a stranger bopping around out there in the world, you know, what do you do? How do you approach that person? I mean, it depends on the person, but uh, there is an etiquette. There is, you got to build trust, you know, um, you can't just uh, blast uh, inappropriate photos or trying to, um, you know, you got to use, you got to use good language. You got to show yourself all these things. All these things. And, and same is true of coaching, you know, inappropriate photos don't really go far in, in, in any direction. Guys, don't do this with, with your coaching clients either. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a dance that takes place. There's a getting to know you process that takes place. And when we're talking about establishing a relationship with a client, there is a dance that takes place. And it's codified by the ICF in their code of ethics and in their first competency, which is called establishing the coaching agreement. I think well, I, I think people with coaching, because it can be casual, that they show up um, non-professionally or, or so casual that it breaks the trust of the relationship. Yeah. And so with any relationship, you have to understand, you know, what are we doing here? Are, are we dating for the purpose of getting married? Is this a casual thing? Is this an open relationship? Same deal with coaching. What are we doing here? Are we coaching client? What are the outcomes that the client wants to achieve? Um, a lot of people come to the space of coaching, not really sure what coaching is or what coaching does. And so this is an opportunity for the coach to get really clear with their prospective client around, well, what can we expect from this relationship? What are the outcomes that you're looking for? What do I offer? How do I work? You know, is this a go? Is this a good match? And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of coaches forget is that they have a 50% say in whether or not a client is a good fit or not, that you, you're under no obligation whatsoever to take on every client. And in fact, you should not. Yes, I think um, it's one of the things that newer coaches do. They feel like they have to take on everyone um, or they're not a good coach. And so by putting that pressure on themselves, they set themselves up for uh, bad experiences because some people, um, are they're not a good match for us, you know, just like dating. Yeah, just like dating. And what I've been seeing recently, um, and I don't know if it's with the pandemic that people are getting punchy or what, but especially with um, online interactions, folks who advertise their coaching services on Instagram or Facebook, um, People are getting really pushy clients that are, are kind of violating their boundaries. And so when you come into ICF land and you have the standard of ethics and these 
foundational um, standards to adhere to, it's protective for you because you as a coach get to say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not just jumping into a coaching relationship. We need to first explore the coaching relationship and set up ethical guidelines and standards, expectations for outcomes. Then we move to contracting. Once we sign the contract and everybody's clear on the contract, then we move to session. So for you as a coach, there are two extra layers of protection to make sure that you're really vetting the person in front of you to make sure that they are there for the right reasons and you're there for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, I think um, people who are drawn to coaching, people who are drawn to helping other people are probably nurturers. And if you're a nurturer in your life, it's probably hard for you to say no. And that's probably why this is a a, a maybe a difficult foundation or or topic for many coaches. It could be. I see too, um, something that happens with young coaches and something that I experienced is, you know, there's this... excitement when someone wants to work with you of like, Ooh, I got picked me, me, me. Somebody picked me for the school gym team. And there's this feeling of, I need to perform and I need to show up and I need to show myself as a coach. And, um, in reality, it's an equal energetic exchange between coach and client. Uh, coaching is a co-equal partnership. So taking the time to set the agreement, set the foundation, go over the code of ethics with your clients, explain confidentiality and its limits, talk about the techniques that you use, talk about what coaching is, talk about what coaching is not, and make sure that there's genuine excitement and alignment will be protective for you. It'll help you do your job better. Absolutely. So let's start with a little bit of an overview of ethics and coaching, what it does, how it works, why it is important, and what you need to do in order to use this when you're setting the foundation of a coaching engagement. So ethics is a lengthy section of the ICF core competencies, and it's very comprehensive but it's filled with incredibly valuable information for any coach, whether you're ICF credentialed or not, to use as a guide when you're structuring your coaching practice. And you can find this information at coachfederation.org backslash code of ethics if you'd like to follow along. So the code of ethics kicks off with definitions. And definitions are important because they allow us to define roles that if you're not familiar with coaching in the world of coaching might be unfamiliar or strange to you. So examples here are the client. The client is who's being coached. And what's important to note is that the client, quote unquote, can be an individual, it can be a group, or it can be a whole organization right. that is being Right. Like a client can be a a spa, right? A client could be a fitness center, right? Yep. A client is very broad and that is the entity or individual that's being coached. And another example of a great definition of which there are many in the code of ethics is the definition of coaching itself. And I'll, I'll read this definition to you so that you have a baseline for how you can begin expressing this work to others. And the ICF defines coaching as partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires the client to maximize their personal and professional potential. I love that. I, I, love, um, I love the word thought-provoking, and I really love the word creative. 
Yes. And, and, and that as we're sitting here and saying, okay, well, what's the value of having these definitions, this definition, this one definition alone will really help you as a coach differentiate from therapy, from social work, from counseling, from mentoring and consulting, because none of those things are a thought provoking and creative process that inspires who's ever in front of you to maximize their own professional and personal potential. Mm, right. Yep. So these definitions support you as a coach and help you describe your work to others. And then as we get into the code of ethics, there are three sections that you have to be aware of. The first is responsibility to clients. Then there's second responsibility to practice and performance. Um, four sections, sorry, responsibility to professionalism. And then, um, and this is a really interesting one that we'll touch on in a little bit is your responsibility to society. And one of the things that I like about the International Coaching Federation, ICF, is that they take that global perspective of not just saying I as a coach need to be responsible to my clients, but I also need to be responsible to the entire field in terms of practice and performance. I need to be a professional and I need to be responsible as a citizen of this world. I wasn't in class today that they taught responsibility to professionalism. I think I need to make up that class in my practice. That's, that's not true. That's not true. You know, when we talk about casual over clinical, it doesn't mean unprofessional. Right, right. That's so, a, a very different stance. Let's go over these. Responsibility to clients. And we're going to um, talk about a few things that you may actually not be aware of. Yes. So maintaining confidentiality is is part and parcel of the coaching engagement there are however limits to confidentiality in coaching because it's not a privileged relationship like a doctor or a lawyer or a therapist and so your clients need to know that while you will do everything in your power to protect their identity there might be times when you have to break confidentiality and times would include uh, if you are subpoenaed and you need to relay information. If your client presents um, threat of harm to themselves or others, you'll need to break confidentiality. Your clients need to know how you're storing records and how any information is exchanged. And the, the, the piece about exchanging information becomes really important if you are working in a company as an internal coach or if someone else is paying for your client to be coached. Yeah, and I wonder if in our digital age today, um, storing records on clouds and stuff like that, uh, what is, uh, you know, what is responsible and what is not. So there are some really interesting standards here, and this actually um, flows into responsibility to practice and performance. So you know, let's let's go in there. So when we're talking about storing digital records, um, according to the ICF and according to these standards, you need to be aware of um, who has access to information. So, for example, if you run an assessment, that the company that runs the assessment, do they have access to your client's data? Do they have access to your client's name, date of birth, so on and so forth? Your client needs to know that. Um, if you are engaging in a coaching session and you have Alexa on in your home, 
your coaching calls are not confidential. Yeah. They're being recorded. Sure. Absolutely. If you're talking with a client or you're texting with a client on a company phone or a company computer, uh, who has rights to that information? Right. So all of these things need to be taken into consideration. And as with all things coaching, a really good rule of thumb, if you're ever unclear about where to go, is, is are my actions centering the client? Because the client is always centered in the coaching relationship. So so whatever it is, is my client being centered in this way? Yeah. Are you making it about you or the client? Mm-hmm. Are you making it about you or the client? So, you know, along with responsibility to practice and performance, we also have understanding that we're humans as coaches. And that from time to time, we will have personal limitations or circumstances that will get in the way of your coaching performance. And you need to be responsible and reach out uh, and determine if you need support from outside people or if you need to cancel your sessions with your clients because you can't show up. And that can be something that's really scary for young coaches. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, if something just happened to you, if you, uh, let's say, let's say you just, someone just broke up with you and you're not emotionally in the space to hold space, you have a responsibility to possibly reschedule, you know, you, when you're showing up and because life happens and because we're all human and we all have our, you know, our things that trigger us and that come up. Um, being aware of that so it doesn't go into the room uh, is, is part of this foundation. Very much so. I canceled sessions with clients last week. Um, my husband hurt his back very badly, and my life went completely bonkers for a couple of days. And I woke up and I looked at my calendar and said, oh, my God, there's no way I'm going to be able to ethically conduct these coaching sessions. And so I emailed two clients and I canceled and they were very gracious and very understanding, but it was taking care of myself and my family in a very real way. Um, And that was getting in the way of my ability to be a good coach. Yeah. I think because coaching is a human exchange. I mean, you can go to a meeting um, and just white knuckle it. You could go to a meeting and absorb information and, and kind of be half present and all of that. But when you're coaching someone, um, it's a it's a whole different you know state that you have to be in. And so that's where the responsibility comes in is if you're not in a place to do it, whether you are uh, physically ill or emotionally not there, or if something happened, in, like in this case, if your husband got hurt, um, yeah, I think the, the, the responsible thing to do is to reschedule. And you are supported by the code of ethics in acting in this way. And this is another reason why I really like the ICF is that coach practitioners aren't out there flying solo. You have an international organization, a document, a code of ethics that backs you up. And at any time you can say to a client, to a sponsor, hey, you know, what you're asking me to do right now is actually against the code of ethics for my profession. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, 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 an, it's an extra layer. So let's go deeper into that professional responsibility and hit on responsibility to professionalism. And this is, I think, kind of 
playing into, um, John, what you said earlier about coaching being a very casual profession, that sometimes people forget that this is a real job with real teeth and the code of ethics really does hold us as coaches to a very high standard of professional responsibility. So that means being aware of and setting clear, appropriate, and culturally sensitive boundaries that govern interactions, physical or otherwise. And when we're kind of taking that statement and breaking it apart, it has a lot to do with self-awareness and being aware of your own limitations, um, being able to hold a non-judgmental space with others. If you're not uh, clear on what culturally sensitive or appropriate boundaries might be, ask your client. And if you don't feel that you can conduct yourself in a way that makes your client comfortable, you have an ethical responsibility to recuse yourself from that coaching relationship. If you are on social media and if you're very active uh, and if you've been doing it for a long time, one of the traps that you could fall into is uh, your client, if they've been following you, they actually think they know you very well. And so a lot of times uh, when you do the session, especially in person, um, they approach you like you guys went to high school together, right? They approach you because you don't know the client because you, they, you know, they just fallen out of the sky. But if they've been following you and your story, and if you like me, you know, practice transparency and documenting your journey, um, sometimes they approach you in such a casual way, and it's coming, you know, it's coming from from love, but in a way that you really have to set boundaries, or it could be uh, uh, an irresponsibility to, to professionalism very quick. Absolutely. That's a great point. And I think that the, you know, and that works in the reverse. So I'm the opposite of John, you know, I'm spotty on social media. Sometimes I'm on there. Sometimes I'm not. Um, You would never be able to get a picture of my whole complex life based on what you might see on social media. And people Clients, prospective clients, students, trainees, mentors have the capacity to form um, assumptions about who you are, what your life is, who you are as a coach. And so, again, taking the time to really sit down with your clients and have conversations with them before you set the contract and move into a professional coaching relationship can help to alleviate those blind spots and make sure that a professional relationship is established appropriately. Yes. And I got to say, you know, this is a dance. I mean, in the last 10 years uh, that I've been coaching people because I tend to um, to kind of, you know, live on the edge a little bit. And I'm excited about uh, experimenting and playing in different sandboxes. Uh, it's been a dance for me. And sometimes it has been challenging to uh, remind myself uh, of that responsibility to being professional. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I cross that 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 or blur that that line and then have to um, adjust. So it, it's not just I, for me, it's not just uh, um, super easy. And this is what you do. This is what you don't do. It's, it's a lot of kind of um, pedaling the bike and, and, you know, knowing where that line is. Yeah. Understanding your responsibility to professionalism is a practice and it's a practice just like anything else, whether it's meditation or 
exercise that the more consistent and rigorous you are with it, the better you'll get at it and the more second nature it will become to you. Um, I've been doing this for a very long time and John and I are opposites in that um, I'm very slow and careful and methodical. And as I've gotten into the habits, I vet clients Goodness, I'll do a full hour session with someone before I'll agree to take them on as a client. And then <laughs> right. <laughs> which I which I have I have never done in my life. Yeah, and but you know, my clients tend to be long-term clients and I build very strong relationships with people and I see them for periods of months and sometimes they come back to me for periods of years. And so those initial moments are 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 very important to the way that I hold my practice. And if you're listening and you're saying, oh my gosh, like, Noelle, I can't do that. Um, you can do this in session. So say somebody hires you for a one-off session. You can take the first 10 minutes of that session and really break down with somebody, you know, what is coaching, what coaching is not, confirm that this is not therapy or a replacement for any other kind of medical treatment confirm, you know, the outcomes that somebody's looking for and confirm that you think you can help them with the techniques that you have in your arsenal, get where they want to go. If you're at that point and you're in that first 10 minutes of a session and you're saying, "Uh oh, this doesn't feel right. Something feels off. This feels weird. You have the right as a coach to terminate at any time. And it is ethically responsible to do so. Yeah, uh, I have in a few sessions, um, and this is really tricky. I've been in a few sessions where I felt chemistry. I felt um, attraction or the client has expressed it in some way. And I had to, um, and you know, when this happens, you, you really, I, I think the best thing to do is call it out, you know, to expose it instead of uh, playing games or trying to deny it and then actually talk about it, create that distance. And then, um, then, then, you know, then you draw that line. And if you think that the client, um, it's not going to work or his client's not going to benefit from the sessions because of the chemistry, uh, or because of the attraction or whatever is happening in the room, then you have a, a responsibility to refer the client out, you know? 100%. The standard is that you cannot participate in any kind of sexual or romantic engagement with a client or with somebody who might be paying for a client to attend coaching. And you have to be mindful of the level of intimacy in any relationship. Um, I've had experiences, I've not had experiences like that where there's been chemistry, but I have had experiences where what the client wanted to achieve was incongruent with my own personal philosophy of the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't right. feel that I could actually attach to their goals because they wanted to achieve things that I really don't care about. Um, and yes. so I, I couldn't attach to that person's goals. And so I did say no to the coaching relationship. And, and that happens too. If you feel that you can't believe in that person harder than they believe in themselves, then it's probably not going to work out as a coach and client relationship. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's no reflection on you as a coach, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not a good coach because you are referring someone out. It actually means that you are a good coach if you're taking that responsibility to clients and, um, and taking responsibility to your professional affect. 
So, you know, let's close out with responsibility to society because this is a piece that, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you start to work as a coach, doesn't really come into your mind that you're like, oh, you know, what's my responsibility to society? And in coach land, in ICF land, the code of ethics very, very clearly stipulates that there is an expectation that you actively hold a philosophy of doing good versus avoiding bad. Let's break that down. What do you, what does that mean to you? Um, this to me means to pull back uh, and 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 see that uh, your contribution to coaching isn't just about the individual client, uh, but also your contribution uh, to the world. You know how your energy, your sessions uh, overall are uh, just impacting society. It's how you show up in in life. It's how you show up in life. If you are an angel uh, in session with your clients and you're able to hold a, a beautiful space of non-judgment, but the second you step out of session, mm. you're on social media, engaging right. in flame wars, tearing other right. people down, right. you are not holding the philosophy of doing good versus avoiding bad. Um, if you're not looking at the world and saying, you know, we need to fight for equality for all, um, you're not doing good versus avoiding bad. Yeah, it's basically your responsibility to not be a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, it's your responsibility to not be a hypocrite. And when when we um when we had our session on ethics in the the journey coaching program, it was really interesting because students were saying, you know, that's a really heavy ask for a professional um, organization to have that wants you to actively do good versus being passive and merely avoiding bad. And I said, yeah, it is a heavy ask, but let's consider what coaching is. Coaching believes that all humans have a right to transformation. Coaching believes that all humans are capable of growth. Coaching is the profession of hope and the profession of the future. And in order for all of those things to be true, we need to level the playing field in society, whether it's inequality due to wealth or race or access to education. Like we live in an unequal world and coaching can't do its job unless everybody has an equal chance. And so we do have to become actors for good. You know what I love about this is this responsibility to society makes coaching bigger. It makes it wider. It makes it uh, bigger than you in your practice. Oh, hell yeah. And and that's one of the most beautiful things about this discipline. And, and it's something that I think goes unrecognized in this discipline and, and especially kind of mixed in with the field of wellness. Wellness is interesting because it's pretty uh, whitewashed and it's 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 not only whitewashed, but it's built on the backs of indigenous practices, mostly led by women. Um, so there's there's a lot of unearthing that needs to take place in this space, and I think that with this new population of amazing humans who are coming to the fore to pick up coaching, we're ready to do the work. I love it. Yeah, we got deep at the end, but you know, it's it's real, it's um it's true and um 
you know, if, if this sounds good to you, come on down to Journey Coaching because these are the conversations that we literally engage in every day. They're not easy conversations to have, but they're important conversations. And it's always acceptable to say, you know what, I don't know the answer right now, but I'm going to learn a little bit more so that I can figure it out. Yeah. Thank you for the medicine this morning. Well, I shouldn't say medicine. I would say vitamins. Um, setting your foundation as a coach is a, it's, it's such, it's a topic that I think many of us um, forget. And so going over this, at least for me, has been helpful and what a great reminder. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I will catch you next time. All right. Thank you guys. Be well. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.